0: listening to the sermons from St. Timothy's Church. For more information, please check out our website at sttimothystores.org, or come visit us Sunday night at 615 at the St. Mark's Chapel, right here on Yukon's campus. Welcome again to St. Timothy's. My name is Vince, and uh, today we're starting a uh, a new series. We're going to be studying the book of Daniel uh, throughout this fall. And uh, how we do it here at St. Timothy's is we'll read the passage and then we'll have a little time of silence. And the idea is it's a way of kind of praying with the scripture. So don't try to like figure it all out. We'll have like a brief time of teaching after. Um, But just we'll read the passage and whatever kind of. God highlights for you in that time of silence. You can just ask God, you know, what do you want to say to me about that? But this is a way of praying with the scriptures. We'll kind of engage them a little bit in a, in a, in a teaching afterwards. But it's a way of uh, praying with the scriptures. A lot of times when we pray, we kind of start with our agenda, like what of our wants or needs. or And this is a way that God kind of sets the agenda. If he gets the first word. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, Lord, we're so thankful to be here uh, worshiping you tonight. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, speak to us as individuals. Uh, speak to us as a group. But Lord, speak. Your people are listening. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, so I'm going to do my best with all of these names. I'll just go loud and proud. And kind of so this is Daniel uh, chapter one. <clears throat> In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged him. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put put in the treasure house of of his God. Then the king ordered Ashkenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief officials gave them new names to Daniel the name Belteshazzar to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Dan- Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Simon. Encourage you if you if there was a part of it that kind of drew your attention, keep keep praying about it because God might have something specific to say to you through that. Um, it might be that I was reading it, uh, but I was really, I was like, oh, I got to get through this a long passage. <laughs> but the last and Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus, and so I was just kind of relieved. I'm like, okay. But I was I was praying about. I was like, well, why is this? And I, I just I felt like the Lord just reminded me, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is. Powerful king, big empire, everybody's scared of him. Um, Daniel outlasts him. You know? So Daniel's still there when Nebuchadnezzar's gone and there's a new king, King Cyrus. So just sometimes you, you know, you outlast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you have a forbidden, you know, you feel like, I don't know, something's against you or someone, it's just like, you know, keep doing your thing. Um, you know? I don't know. I, I took some encouragement from that. <laughs> and that Daniel, you know, he outlasts yes. him. So, because as you'll see, Nebuchadnezzar is quick with the off with the heads. He's a, he's a pretty violent fellow. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, I just want to encourage you. This is a way of, because we want to study scripture. We want to think about it with our minds. But also we want to have it penetrate our hearts as well. So it's just helpful sometimes to read a passage. What catches your attention? And just say, Lord, what do you have to say with me? To me, through this, it's a way of kind of praying in Scripture. And sometimes, you know, if you don't know the words to say uh, in prayer, you're not really sure. This is a great way to kind of kickstart uh, uh, praying. So, so as, uh, again, we're we're going to be doing uh, Daniel uh, through the fall. I don't know exactly, uh, but we'll probably wrap up before Thanksgiving. But the first six weeks are pretty easy if you want to follow along. This week is Genesis chapter 1, next week chapter 2, next week chapter 3, week after chapter 4, and you, and you get it. When it gets later, we'll, well have it gets a little bit, uh. Anyway, the first six chapters will be our, our first six weeks. But I just want to give a little uh, context, but this, this is this is sort of how I'm titling the, the message Defiled, Dead, or Delivered. Those are kind of the, the choices here. And I'm gonna ask a question, I, I, I'm guessing nobody. Is. Does anyone ever, uh, recall, like, reading, choose your own adventure books? Has anyone even heard of this? Me and M. So, <laughs> forget it. Don't worry about it. it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? It's kind of like choose, oh, wrong choice. Basically, it's a, it's a book where you read it and it says, if you choose this, go to page 51. And if you choose that, go to page 82 or whatever. And then you read it, you're like, oh, no, I'm dead. You know, you know, or it doesn't work out, so you, you, you kind of go into some fault. So it kind of guides you anyway. It struck me as that this is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure because um, there's there's pretty stark choices for Daniel and his uh, companions. But just a, a little brief context, and Bruce, helped <laughs> us with this. But so, who are these people? So this is uh, Daniel and his companions. They're kind of the best and brightest of uh, Jerusalem. They're teenagers. Uh, most likely, they're about 15 years old at the beginning of this chapter, so Daniel chapter 1. At the end of their three-year service, when they're presented, they're 18. So they're like college freshmen. So they start, they're like bright young high school students, and then they're college freshmen. So it's pretty remarkable, as, as we see what they go through, how young these people are. Uh, so where are they? So they're in Babylon, Babylon which is about uh, 1,600 miles from Jerusalem. It'd be in modern-day Iraq. Um, the prophet Ezra makes this trip from uh, Babylon to uh, Jerusalem. It takes him four months. Because, you know, you're walking. I mean, think about that. I mean, so in our day, you can take a plane or a train or a car or a bus or something like that. So they're a four-month walk from home. And They're teenagers. So they're they're international students, right, (laughs) basically, right? So, and why are they there? Why are they there? Well, the the people have been uh, exiled from the land uh, for disobedience, and this is prophesied by Moses um, and Jeremiah and others. So Moses says, OK, God is going to drive out the nations in the promised land. So we're going to go to the promised land. God's going to kick out the people there because they're not behaving. We're going to come in. But if we act like they did, God will kick us out. OK. And then the probably the, the, the most. Uh, so Jeremiah would have. So Daniel probably would have heard Jeremiah preach. So J- Jeremiah says, listen, the Babylonians are coming. You can't stop them. Surrender. Thus says the Lord. Right? Not a popular message. People thought he was like a traitor. No, we can fight. We can win. Um, And so any of that. So what the Babylonians did is they would kind of take a city. And they would take the young people. um, The best and the brightest. And then send them back to their capital. There's two reasons to do this. One would be is... If you take all the young leadership from a place, they're not going to probably rebel, right? So it's, it's sort of good to keep the people in line. Interestingly enough, they didn't take Jeremiah. <laughs> uh, whatever. So they, I guess it gives you an idea of what people thought of Jeremiah in his day. But... Um, so, but the other thing is, it helped their empire. So let, let's take the smartest, we just kind of conquered these people, let's take the smartest people, we'll teach them our language, our culture, and they'll help us. So you can see why the Babylonians did this. They weren't all about, like, exterminating the people. They wanted to rule over vast uh, areas, and they said, okay, we're coming in, surrender, we'll take your best, and we'll take them back to our place, and we'll, we'll teach them up. And then they'll help us. Does that make sense? So that's kind of why Babylon does it. The reason the Lord did it is because the people were disobedient. Um, and they were warned again and again and again. Um, and you can see that most notably in the prophet Jeremiah. So so they get there and they're faced with this choice. The king's food is defiled. Right? The text says you could... You, if you want to circle the five, you can see it pop up again and again and again. So this is to pollute, to make unclean. And there are probably two two basic reasons for this. Uh, probably uh, some of the food, some of the meats were forbidden. So they probably had pork. They probably had, that was probably the, the big one. But there are other meats that you know you can't eat, according to the law of Moses. Okay, So there are foods that are forbidden to eat. And then there's also, so no matter how it's prepared, I can't eat that. But then also, the way that it worked in the ancient world oftentimes is they would sacrifice foods to God. So they would say so you got a pig or whatever, you sacrifice it to God, a portion of it would be burnt up, and then the rest would be eaten. Right? So most almost all of the king's food and the wine, they'd kind of pour out the wine as a libation. The food would have been offered to a Babylonian god and then served. So it's not just that the the, the kind of food is, uh, you know, unclean or defiling, but the way it's prepared. So that they would have seen this as not just, I can't eat that, but that's been offered to another god. That's been offered to a demon. Mm-hmm. I can't eat that. Does that make sense? So this is not... Um, A health choice or a personal preference. They saw this as there's no way that we can do this. No way. Can't partake. And this is a dangerous thing because most of the people would have been over the moon to have the king's food. Right? This is like a delicacy. This is like a privilege. And they're saying, no. We can't do it. So it is a dangerous choice. Now, you could imagine... Some people might have thought, well listen, we're far away from home, nobody knows the difference, who cares, we'll just go with the flow. When in Rome, do the Romans, when in Babylon, do the Babylonians, right? You could imagine a lot of people might, but they said no, we're not going to do that. So Daniel had resolved not to eat. Um, And Daniel's the only one who speaks, but probably it seems like he talked with his friends and that they were in on it together. That Daniel was the spokesperson, right? He's like, well, will you, will you, you're the oldest, right? You're 15, we're all 14 and a half, you know, you go and something like that. So, uh, so Daniel, Daniel speaks. So if we're gonna you know, contextualize it to us, this is probably not a problem. You're not gonna have an issue, I would hope, at the Yukon cafeteria or you know, whatever we're preparing at home. But it's worth thinking about what could defile you, right? You know, many of us would be far from home. We're, we're in a different environment or a new environment. Um, you know, maybe it could be like a party scene at UConn. You know, maybe it could be uh, a romantic relationship that's kind of pulling you in the wrong direction. Um or you could just think about it this this way. What are some areas that kind of tripped you up in the past and kind of pulled you away from the Lord? Those might be areas that would pull you away again. So we might not have the uh, specific um, circumstance that Daniel and his companions had. But I think generally, there can be a pressure to kind of go with the flow. Do what everybody else is doing. But God calls us to live differently. God calls us to live So defilement, that's the wrong choice for Daniel and his companions. They say, no, nope, we're not going to do it. So uh, a second choice, which you might not think about this, would be death. And here's what I mean by this. Daniel doesn't go on a hunger strike. I didn't say, I'm not eating. Daniel is not antagonistic. He's not like, forget you guys, you pagan blah, blah, (laughs) blah. He is not provoking a confrontation. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. He's not trying to get himself killed. In fact, he comes up with a brilliant solution. Hey, let's just give this a try. Just give us the the vegetables and water and see how it goes. Does does that make sense? Because you could see in in his position, or a lot of people might think, there are two choices. I can defile myself or I can die. That's it. But Daniel doesn't see it that way. Right? He leaves room for God. He leaves room for God because God is sovereign not just in Jerusalem, but he's sovereign in Babylon. Right? Sovereign all over the world. God is active and present. Okay? So, again, I don't... Well, and let me say this, too. In the first three centuries of the church... There were a lot of persecutions uh, by the Roman Empire against the church, so there would be waves of persecutions where people would be uh, killed for their faith. And all over the world, that can be true, too. Right? There are places in the world where people are killed for their faith. Um, I don't, you know, in the North American context, not as much. But I do want to say this. I still think people can choose sort of a kind of death. Right? And here's what I mean by this. Think, think, think about this. We're called to follow Jesus, right? Now, part of following Jesus will involve some suffering. That's just, that's part of the deal, right? But we're following Jesus. We're seeking Jesus. We're not seeking suffering. Does that make sense? We're not seeking suffering. So, um, a couple of months ago, I read an uh, article on Christianity Today. There was uh, a woman who uh, was a missionary's wife, and her husband, were in, I think, Iran, and they were on death row. And uh I can imagine being on death row for your faith. But her testimony, she said that was easier to take, being on death row there, than being abused by my husband. Her husband beaver. And she said the church was very supportive, you know, I'm a missionary, we're out there, we're under this threat. But when she sort of came forward with, like, my husband is beating me up all the time, people are like, oh, they didn't know what to do with it. Because she kind of felt like at the time that she had to suffer for it. And I think that's an example of choosing death. You know what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? You can also see it sometimes with people like activists or pastors or missionaries who sort of, they burn themselves out. They give everything to the ministry and they sort of glory in kind of blowing themselves up and blowing up their family. You know what I'm saying? So here's what I'm... I just want to be clear, clear. When we follow Jesus, there will involve... When we seek after Jesus, there will involve some suffering. But we don't follow suffering. We don't seek suffering. Right? And sometimes in... People can use religious and spiritual language. It's almost like masochistic. You know what I'm saying? Have we... We won't... Have you ever met anybody like this? We don't have to. We'll point it out. Have we ever done this, right? It may be that sometimes people suffer, but it's not a suffering that God has called them to. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. I just want to be clear. But Daniel is not doing this. He's not trying to get him, him and his friends killed. He's not like, hey, forget you, Nebuchadnezzar. We ain't eating none of this garbage. See, that's not his attitude. His attitude is very humble, it's very respectful. Listen, we can't eat this, but why don't we try this? And it works, right? So not defilement, not death, but deliverance. He trusts God for deliverance. And and it works, right? They look better than everybody else. Does this make anyone want to be a vegetarian? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I might give it a try after this. I'm, I'm, I'm not a military. it's all good. But it works out, right? It works out. And here's what I'd love to do. Um, I'd love to spend a little bit of time, give you a little time. Can you identify a time where God delivered you from trouble? Right, it seemed like you were in a no-win situation. There was no way out, and God delivered you. Because that's—I'm sure that Daniel and his friends were. Well, I'm not. Sure. I don't. I don't know. I'm not them. If I were them, I would have been sweating a little bit. I'd have been sweating. I'd be like, "Well, I hope this works, Daniel." Right? But have you ever, you identify a time when God delivered you from trouble? And then the second one uh, I'd like for us to think about are you facing right now, maybe someone's facing right now a dilemma that seems like there's no way out, that the choice is defilement or death? Right? We're thinking binary, it's either I go with the flow or I'm done. And maybe God has a different way. So I'm going to give everybody, we're going to give you a minute or two. I uh, want you to think about a time that God delivered you from trouble, from a situation that seemed hopeless. And if there's a, a troubling situation where you feel like there's no way out, I would just encourage you, ask for a heavenly wisdom. Lord, is there something I'm not seeing? So we'll take a little time and we'll do that and then We'll come back to you. good stuff. Well, I just want uh, to encourage you to keep thinking about, and uh, by accident, um, I skipped the first one, but um, with the uh, defilement choice, one of the things that uh, we pointed out, uh, you pointed out, that Daniel had companions. So just a, uh, a good question to ask is, who are your faithful companions? And if you can't, you're like, you're not sure, I'm new here, I'm still, are we praying for those? Where are we looking for them? Because, uh, you know, uh, Daniel and his friends didn't kind of fall into this. They were intentional. Daniel had resolved he was not going to defile himself, and his friends had made that same resolution. And that's an important thing, that you, uh, a lot easier to stand when you're standing with some others. So, my bad, I, I skipped that portion of it. But, but the, the last thing I want to just conclude on with this story is that this is like a win-win-win-win solution, right? It's like a win for Daniel. Um, It's a win for his companions. It's a a win for the Lord. And it's a a win for Babylon because, you know, they get these uh, bright young men who are going to help them. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think people think, well, in order to, like, get ahead, I've got to do ABC or I've got to compromise or I've got to go with the flow or I, I can't stick out or whatever. And that is not what Daniel 1 teaches. You know, I'm not going to say that every time that we're faithful to the Lord, we're going to get promoted. I'm not going to say that. But that does happen here. Right? And I think some people think the opposite. They think, well, if I'm faithful to the Lord, I'm going to get demoted. You know, we're faithful to the Lord. We want to be faithful to the Lord whether we're promoted or demoted. Amen? Can I get amen? Okay. But I just want you to be aware that if we're thinking, I want to be promoted and I can't be faithful and be promoted, that is not true. That is not true. This is a win for everybody. Daniel wins. His uh, companions wins. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. And of course, the Lord is glorified. The Lord wins. So, Lord, we just thank you uh, for your word. We thank you uh, for your servant Daniel and his friends. We thank you for the example that they are. And Lord, we thank you that you are Lord over all. Lord over Jerusalem, over Babylon, over stores, over the whole world. And Lord, we ask that as we study uh, the book of Daniel together, um, Lord, that we would see your glory more and more. And that we would be even more encouraged to be faithful to you. And all God's people said. Thank you.